0: Hello, AAF fans. Welcome to my podcast. You're watching the Apollo Audible, and this is my introductory podcast. But before I get into it, I'm going to make sure that you guys know all my social media and things like that, so you can follow me up and get to know me a little bit more. So you guys can follow me on social media, twitter.com forward slash Audible. If you guys are watching on YouTube, all of my website links will be down in the description below. Uh, you can also find me on youtube.com As I just mentioned uh, I don't exactly have a website link per se But I will be linking my uh, Podbean website as well And hopefully within the coming weeks We could get our iTunes uh, our iTunes podcast going Because if I'm able to get that going I don't know I'm just That's one of my goals right now So if I'm able to get that That'll be nice Now heading into who I am As you guys saw from the intro I had to kind of describe myself a little bit uh, I'm 14 years old I love football and I'm an Orlando Apollo fan looking to inform you guys on my favorite team Uh, There's not really that much else you need to know about me. Uh, Maybe in another video. I'll describe myself a little bit more I love photography and Graphic design so all the photos and stuff and the graphic designs you see like the third overlays uh, Where it shows all of our special guests' social media everything like that. I made that myself. Uh, I love graphic design so yeah that's that's pretty much it uh as for the description of the podcast content on this channel you guys are going to see post game analysis film reviews exclusive interviews and hopefully this hour-long show right here also known as the apollo audible which is going to be my main show uh as for the scheduling of all my podcasts uh the game post game analysis will be getting basically you know post game analysis Will be posted after every single game sorry for the stuttering there it's my first podcast a little bit nervous uh, pod, uh basically the apollo audible uh i should post that weekly once the season starts up i'm gonna use that to preview every match and i'm gonna be interviewing someone from every single team from our opponents as well so that's gonna be interesting uh, film reviews i'm gonna be posting those as much as possible along with the special interviews with some apollo's players coaches staff Anyone who I can get get my hands on. Yeah, so that's it about me and the podcast. Now let's get into the meaty, juicy stuff. Here's some background info on the AAF, also known as the Alliance of American Football. So, the first season will consist of a 10-game spring season. That's not including the playoffs, so I think there's a 14-playoff. 14. Yeah, so that should be equal cool. 12, 12 games for the the winning team. Uh, there are eight teams in the league, which include the Atlanta Legends, of course, the Orlando Apollos, the Birmingham Iron, Memphis Express, San Diego Fleet, Salt Lake Stallions, Arizona Hotshots, and the San Antonio Commanders. One major thing that I think I need to talk about with the AAF on this podcast is going to be the rule changes. So the AAF has no kickoffs. No onside kicks, no extra points, and a 30-second play clock. Essentially, what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a high-scoring, quicker-tempo game style. Um, they Basically, uh, their opinion is that it's more entertaining to watch a high-scoring game than it is to watch a low-scoring game. So they're trying to give offense as much advantage as possible. And I don't know what you guys are thinking. If there's no onside kicks, how are teams going to fight to get the ball back? Essentially... They're going to have to uh, go for a fourth and ten on their own thirty-five. Uh, if they get the fourth and ten, then it is their ball. If they don't get the fourth and ten, it's the opposing team's ball. Knocking at the goal line, according to one uh, of the AF staff members, I'm gonna, you know, quote that <laughs> in, the, in the actual YouTube video, but that's not important. Another thing is going to be extra points. You have to go for two every single time, which is going to be a pain in my opinion because honestly if you're like me everything you do like regarding football you multiply by factors of seven seven times one two three four five and so on i gotta multiply by factors of eight or six uh (laughs) if you're like me and you suck at math then yeah it's gonna be kind of annoying but that's something you're just gonna have to get used to trust me after after the first season i think i'll get used to it i won't have any issues with it Another thing about the AAF is going to be an app. You can watch every game for free on the app live. Uh, you can also watch it on CBS if you have cable. There will be a fantasy league for fans to join. Um, I'm saying this super slow because I want to stress that the Apollo Audible will be having a fantasy football segment. So if you guys you know, want me to go on about that, I will. Hopefully in the next episode, I'll be talking about who to draft, uh, the players to watch out for. I don't know exactly how the fantasy football is going to work. If it's going to be like ESPN fantasy football, where you draft a defense and then a bunch of skill players, or maybe you're drafting the defense as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what goes on there. There is also going to be an in game betting system. Now, I'm underage, I can't bet, but if you're watching this podcast, there's a chance that you might be old enough to bet. If you are, then if you want to bet, go ahead. I mean, It makes things interesting when you think about it. I personally, I'm not going to bet, but if you guys want to, that's up to you. Uh, There are rumors that there is going to be a live chatting system. I don't know how I feel about that because personally, I know from like Twitch and other websites, live chatting systems can be toxic and there are a lot of trolls. I don't think it'd work out that well, but we'll see how it goes. If they're going to have a moderator, if it's going to be a bot filtering out different words, no one really knows. But that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, before I even get into the Orlando Polls itself, I saw this tweet from some podcast. I want to say it was the Brig podcast. And they mentioned that uh, there's a good possibility of an AAF video game. Now, I was thinking there's two different ways this could work. Possibly three, maybe four, but I'm going to list two, the two that I think are the most possible and realistic. And the first one is going to be Madden 19 adding an AAF DLC. Uh, basically, if you guys are a little bit older and don't know what a DLC stands for, that is downloadable content. And think about it. Think about it. Wouldn't it be cool to, you know, load up Madden 19, spend an extra five bucks to get the AAF edition, and you get all eight rosters with a new rating system as well. That would be interesting. You could play head-to-head game modes, franchise mode, and they could even add like a mini ultimate team for AAF. I think that'd be kinda cool. I know I would definitely pay for it. Don't know if anyone else would per se, but I guarantee you <laughs> they'd be getting my five bucks. The only issue is uh working with Mana Nineteen is that EA creates Mana nineteen and uh EA has been lazy to say the least when it comes to producing these games. Uh they haven't been the most consistent and bugs have not been fixed throughout the whole season so far, so it's it's interesting. I don't really Personally I'm not a big fan of EA but I I love Madden 19 so I still have to play it. Now someone else did mention in the comment section about an AAF video game with 2K. Now as you guys know 2K currently makes an NBA and WWE games. A benefit of an AAF game with 2K would mean a more exclusive title and content which you won't get from a Madden DLC. For example AAF 19 uh, instead of having Madden 19 you can have AAF 19. I think that'd be kind of cool think about it think about it the only issue is there probably won't be enough sales to sustain a long-term like series out of it it might work for like AAF 19 and AAF 20 but in the further years it won't work Uh, another thing is going to be that WWE currently works with the XFL and as you guys know the XFL will be launching in 2020 so there could be an XFL video game with 2k And if that's true, that means there will not be an AAF game with 2K. Now that I got all that stuff out the way, we're going to talk about your team, the reason why you're watching this podcast, the Orlando Apollos. First up is going to be their schedule. I already mentioned that there's a 10-game season, with February 9th being the first game, where we host the Atlanta Legends, ran by offensive coordinator Michael Vick. Oh, what a legend. February 17th, we visit the San Antonio Commanders. February 23rd, we play the Memphis Express at Spectrum Stadium, a.k.a. the Bounce House. March 2nd, we travel to the Mile High to take on the Salt Lake Stallions. March 9th, we head northwest to Sweet Home, Alabama to play the Birmingham Iron. March 16th, we host the Arizona Hotshots. March 23rd, we visit our division rival, the Atlanta Legends. March 30th, we travel to Tennessee to face another division rival. The Memphis Express for the second time this year. April 7th, we play the San Diego Fleet at the Bounce House. April 14th, we host our final division rival, the Birmingham Iron. Now, the schedule is going to be interesting. Nobody really knows which team is the best one since we don't have any game film on any single team right now. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to come out on top and who's going to win the first season. Now, Personally, I think it's gonna be Orlando Apollos. I've dug deep into their roster, and they have a pretty strong roster. Uh, There will be a video soon where I depict uh, the whole Orlando Apollo roster. The only issue is they're currently in training camp, and they have cut, I think, one person so far. They started off at 73 people, now they have 72, they need to cut it down to 53. All these other teams are already close to 53, or some of them are already at 53. Uh, The Orlando Apollos have been stingy, and they don't want to cut anyone just yet, so there is a lot of competition going on within every single position. So I'm going to depict the four players I think you need to watch out for this season from the Orlando Apollos. First one is going to be quarterback Garrett Gilbert. He is 27 years old, 7th overall pick in the AAF QB draft. He was drafted by the LA Rams in 2014, and he was recently cut by the Carolina Panthers, I think a month ago now this man's gonna be dangerous this is a talented QB we saw a couple of, couple of games I guess you could say where he started in the NFL he started against the New Orleans Saints in week 17 this season uh, he played well he played great actually against the NFL talent so I personally think he's gonna do well and he's the perfect fit for the Orlando Apollos as for running back we have D. Ernest Johnson now This man gives me Tariq Cohen vibes. If you watch the NFL, Tariq Cohen's like a 5'6 beast for the Chicago Bears. I think Dearness Johnson's gonna do the same. The only difference is that he is 5'10". He played for USF, the University of South Florida, for four years, and he broke every single USF receiving and rushing record, including the USF game record for all-purpose yards in one game, which was 281 yards. That's in one game, people. This man is insane. Uh, he also is the uh, USF career all-purpose yards leader with 4,186 in one season. That's just oh my god, this man's insane. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you guys about him. Moving on to the offensive line, we have a man by the name of Trevor Darling. This dog is 310 pounds. He started 46 games for the University of Miami. He's, this man is just so big and strong and he's, he was the 2017 All-ACC Honorable Mention. He's young, has loads of potential, and he's probably the strongest player in all of AAF right now. Now, moving on to the defense, I have one more guy that I'm gonna be previewing before the next episode, which will be talking about the actual full-on in-depth roster, but this is going to be linebacker Azeem Victor. This man was a 2018 sixth-round draft pick now, he didn't really have much of a, a career in college. He had a very. <laughs> he had an injury almost every season with Washington University. Even through all those injuries, he still accumulated 197 total tackles. Uh, personally, he has a decent floor, which means he could be a, a decent, you know, a, maybe above average starter in the AAF. But he has an extremely high ceiling. Like, if this man is able to fight off his injuries and recover fully, he is going to be. He's going to be a beast on this backfield. He's going to be stopping every single running back or wide receiver or tight end that he has to cover. I promise you that right now. Uh, actually, I said that was going to be the last one. Something else hit me. I want to talk to you guys about a man by the name of Reggie Northrup. This dude is insane, okay? This is in my notes. As you guys know, if you hear the paper shuffling in podcast, you... I'm just I'm shuffling through notes on paper, but... This guy isn't even on paper. I just He came to my head right now, and I'm just thinking about it. He's a beast, man. Reggie Northrup played for FSU, Florida State University. He's probably the hardest hitter I've ever seen out of uh, college right now. Dude's insane. I'm just saying. I don't know his actual stats and stuff, so I can't tell you, you know, things like that. But all I can say is that teams better watch out because this man can hit. This man can hit. That's all I'm going to say about him. That's all I'm going to say. Now for the main segment, which is going to be an interview with Anthony Sabada, I don't know his last name, from the Crown Loyal podcast, okay? Hope you guys enjoy, and I'll see you guys in the segment. Peace. Welcome back, Apollo Audible. Welcome back to my podcast, and today I'm going to be talking to one of the, uh, I guess you could say co-hosts of the Crown Loyal podcast, Anthony. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. No, no, no problem. I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. Uh, well, my very first question actually is going to be, uh, where can my listeners actually follow you
1: and get to listen to you as well? So if your listeners would like to tune into a Legends podcast, they can follow me on Twitter at CrownLoyalAAF. Loyal AAF. That's my Twitter handle. And I usually put out the RSS feed on Podbean, but they can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and as of a couple of days ago, Stitcher. So starting to uh, spread the word a little bit more.
0: Uh, also, if you guys are listening and you're in the Atlanta area, the Crown Loyal podcast is having a a home opener season. Is it season ticket or just home opener ticket?
1: Home opener giveaway. We're giving away two tickets and you can do that by going to Crown Loyal AAF Twitter. I'll have a pinned tweet up there. All you have to do is follow the account, like that pinned tweet, and also, Tag three friends in that, or tag three people that may want to get in on the contest. You know, I'm really trying to spread the word. Um, You know, it's not a lot of people know about this contest, so the chances of you winning are a little bit higher. So I definitely recommend going there if you want to see the Legends and Iron play week three. That'll be February 24th.
0: Hmm. Uh, Especially if
1: you guys are listening and you want to
0: get to know more
1: about the AAF,
0: uh, going to one of these games is probably one of your best bets. There's a lot of different things going on, like rule changes and things like that. So if you really want to get into it and get to know a little bit more, listen to both of our podcasts, of course, and absolutely, head to one of the games. So actually, speaking of the rule changes, that's the first thing I want to talk to you about. Um, so you know how they change the kickoffs, yep. the onside kicks, mm-hmm. extra
1: points, everything like that. Um, How do you feel about that? So I personally like it just because I feel like the extra point is maybe one of the more boring plays or, you know, the NFL kind of changed the rules to make it not up for certain uh, point you get and it's made it a little bit more challenging, but I actually like the idea of going for two. I think you can really gain advantage if you convert successfully and teams execute on that. Um, as far as the onside kick and the kickoff rules, you know, kickoffs have in the past been a topic of uncertainty, just the people about the dangers that come with the kickoff and then onside kicks obviously are just improbable plays that <laughs> most of the time they don't you don't succeed on. So I feel like with the whole fourth and 12 situation and be, trying to get a first down just on that, I think it opens up a lot more opportunity for teams to come back when they're down early on and they try to make their way back into the game.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. And, you know, as I, I'm a Bears fan, so I, I don't like kickers. <laughs> um, after that whole double doing situation. I don't even really want to talk about that. But I'm a big fan of the rule changes. My only question with the onside kicks are if they're going to have a limit
1: or if you just can just go for it, uh, I guess, as many times as you want in one game. I would, I would and, assume you can go for it as much as you can. I mean, there's no limit on how many onside kicks you can take. So I don't think they would say, oh, well, you can't go for it. You've done too many onside kick challenges or the equivalent to an onside kick. So, I,
0: I see that, but my proce- my thought process is like when you think about it, it's a fourth and ten. If you have a decent or above average offense, you can convert that, like let's say one third of the time. Right. That can just be insane if you could keep the other team's offense off the field for as long as possible, like that it makes it, for, it make for some interesting games.
1: Yeah, I think so I was wondering about that. They recently changed it to fourth and 12. So I think they're trying to make it a little bit more difficult. And, 12. Okay. and you know, one or two yards. We've seen that in the past in games where that's really made a difference. So I think fourth and 12 could be a little bit more challenging, but um, I definitely like the idea that it opens up, a, you know, if you're down two scores, three scores early on in the game, you're starting to Kind of get gains momentum. This definitely gives you a chance to come back, especially late in the game.
0: Yeah. Um. Final last thing about the rule changes. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, it was a 30 second play clock. Um. I know they really changed that. It's it was originally 60 seconds mm-hmm. in the NFL. Um. So how do you feel about that? Personally, I I love that idea. Uh, speed up the game a little bit things like that. Uh, I just want to see how it
1: plays out though, conditioning wise, because that's going to take a lot more uh, effort from the players themselves. Right. I think in today's modern day offense, it fits. Uh, I think I read somewhere where they were doing a study and it took about teams about 17 to 20 seconds to actually get to the line. So I think it definitely shaves off some time, keeps the viewer interested. I think a lot of the times they were doing commercials in between some plays, you know, and then have another 60 seconds afterwards and then go to break. So I think it definitely makes the game flow a little bit better. And offenses who are you know, carrying that momentum on a drive, they don't have to slow down for any sort of reason. So I like the idea of it personally. I really like what the AAF is um, incorporating into their game.
0: Yeah, you could tell they're really trying to create a more high-scoring, quicker-tempo game. Uh, they're trying to keep the fans more engaged and interested, so that's smart on their end. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Fans love offense. hmm
0: Now, I'm going to get into just the juicy stuff right here with the Atlanta Legends – and recently, I know your head coach—is uh, it Childress or Childress? I don't know yeah, how to pronounce uh-huh, Childress. Right. Like Childress, okay. Um, so he resigns. I wanna—I recall. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he. So he resigned for personal reasons, is what they're calling it. Um, I actually got a chance to talk with the team president of the Legends, and he told—that's exactly what he told me was the reason. Was personal reasons. You know, he felt like he needed to be there for his family and that he needed to step away from the game for a little bit just because it does take a lot of time during the football season to be away from your family and have to prepare for games and schedule practices and maintain your team. So I think going into it, he wanted to coach, he wanted the new opportunity. Uh, He's not really had that head coaching gig for a little while since he's been with the Vikings and maybe, you know, reasons that are unknown something that's happening with the family or he feels like he's been away for too long and has a uh, sort of disconnect with his family and uh, whatever it may be you know we don't really know the inside scoop of what's happening but for whatever reason he felt it was best to step away for a little bit and uh, give the reins to coach Coyle. So how do you feel about coach Coyle? So I think coach Coyle is a good fit, especially because we I think we have a good OC in place. And Michael Vick, uh, he's a defensive guy. He's had plenty of NFL experience, college experience, and he's been a coordinator. This is his first head coaching job. Um, I think with the coaches around him, it really suits him perfectly. And uh, like I said, we have Michael Vick, a offensive coordinator. We actually just brought on another former quarterback from the NFL, and Rich Bartell. I think he's a good fit there as well. So I think. The offense will be fine. And I think with him controlling the whole team, but probably being a, more of a focus on the defense, I think that they really complement each other very well. I think he's going to be a good fit. So, Michael Vick, I heard
0: some rumors like a week or two ago. There were some rumors about him, how is he left as offensive coordinator. I know there are rumors. Did the president comment about that? Did you ask him
1: anything along those yeah, lines? So, it's funny, I was actually, talking and in the meeting and I'm about to leave and I see this thing pop up on Twitter or this uh, tweet from maybe one of the guys from the Athletics saying, Michael Vicks resigned. Like, Whoa, why would that happen right after I leave? You know, I didn't get a chance to ask him. And that was just a rumor. I, I don't know if maybe someone thought they were both leaving or maybe someone misheard something, but just a fabricated story that someone came up with and you know, it, uh, it got in the hands of people like from Pro Football Talk, some credible sources, and it really uh, went across Twitter and made it believable. But yeah, it's just a rumor, as far as I know. He's in San Antonio, and he's got a good rapport with the team and quarterback Aaron Murray. And I don't think any, Vic's going anywhere unless a, a real opportunity were to come for him and put him in a high authority place, as far as a coach.
0: Of course. Um, I was thinking when uh, Childress or children. I'm I'm gonna butcher his name the whole episode, so uh, ex- excuse me on that. But I thought he was gonna be like the prime, the primal candidate to take over uh, his position when he resigned.
1: Yeah, I think I I was too, but I think just based on the fact that Coyle has a little bit more coaching experience. You know, Vic definitely was an elite athlete and a great professional when he was in the league. Um. Uh, but he's still limited and lacks a little bit more coaching experience than Coyle does. So I think uh, people really rally behind Coach Coyle and the team was excited for it. And I think Vic is excited for it as well, uh, based on just what I've heard or what I've seen. And uh, I think Coach Coyle is definitely the right guy. And I think the team believes that they are too. So uh, the Shipyard
0: Podcasts, you should be familiar with them. The guys over by the San Diego Fleet, uh, they tweeted nine minutes ago talking about uh, the Fox Fox Sports pregame show. Michael Vick's having a great time in New Orleans right now, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's really um, you can really tell he's passionate about football, obviously through his play and then as an analyst, and you know he's getting into coaching. And I think uh, for Vick, it's a uh, you know you can never get enough football for him, especially just based on how he's lived out his career.
0: So we're currently in training camp so far. Um, I'm pretty sure every all eight teams are in San Antonio, correct? For the yeah, that's right. So how has that been so far for Atlanta Legends? And then after that, I'm gonna move more into the QB QB breakdown. I wanna see how that's going.
1: Yeah, so I think the offense is really clicking. I think as far as the league, everybody's excited. Uh, it might just be the Legends. I mean, there might be a couple other teams. I think we've made a lot of transactions. Uh, I think coaches have really wanted to see, you know, guys, they can get more guys in there and kind of get a look at who's available and who's on their team. And, you know, yesterday they uh, – the, the team took him out for a surprise bowling trip, so I think they're having a lot of fun with it. They're building a lot of camaraderie, and uh, I think it's going to be an exciting season at Atlanta, you know, especially with the, uh, the letdown from the Georgia faithful and then, you know, Atlanta having a taking a step back this year so I think uh the Atlanta Falcons I mean so I I think it's exciting for Legends fans and Atlanta fans who you know maybe feel like a a little bit empty from this past football season from our regular teams yeah I was gonna say
0: empty for if you just said empty overall I was gonna be confused because I'm pretty sure that Atlanta United just won the MLS Cup of like a month ago
1: yeah 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 so United fans are definitely excited, but that's that's a little bit different football than (laughs) what people down south really love and are used to.
0: Yeah, i say I'm I'm an Orlando City fan and uh, both of our teams really don't like each other. (laughs) So I remember watching that game at a bar and no one in my bar was happy. No one was
1: happy. Uh, Yeah, especially being the new uh, the add ons to the league, I I can imagine them not being too satisfied. (laughs) Yep. um moving into the QBs, who do you think has really uh outperformed
0: everyone else in training camp so far?
1: Um, so it's a little hard to tell just from the outside perspective. Um, I've heard a couple of things though, as far as our four quarterbacks. So Murray's obviously probably the lock to be the quarterback and the starting QB one. Uh, he's probably been that way since he signed on right before the QB draft. Um, barring any setbacks or if anything were to happen on him, knock on wood. Uh, I think we have some good people, good guys in place as far as uh, Matt Sims, who's the son of the Hall of Famer Phil Sims and has probably the most NFL experience out of all our guys. And I think we brought a good uh, couple of good three and fourth options. Uh, And Peter Pujols, who's a guy from Holy Cross and may oddly have a weird connection to Coach Coyle, who was at one point a defensive coach at Holy Cross. He could have been a reason why they selected him. Um, he's more of a uh, can use his feet a little bit more mobile and can, cr- can pr- create some plays with his legs, excuse me. And then uh, Justin Holman who I think is a guy who's actually standing out even when Coach Childress was there. They're really excited about what he can do. He's been performing in practice and he's another guy who can make plays with his feet and has a good arm and uh, really set the foundation for uh, Central Florida when he was there. So that name might be a little bit more familiar to some of your listeners.
0: Yeah. Um, All I know is that no matter what happens with your quarterback situation is that they're going to be equipped with some good wide receivers and running backs there. Uh, I was doing some research over on uh, the Atlanta team heading into, you know, uh, previewing the matchup between the Orlando Apollos and the Legends. Sorry about that. Um, And I've seen that you guys have a really strong –
1: list of running backs and wide receivers out there yeah and I, I think we're just adding to the arsenal um we added a guy who was a a crumb wobbly he was a guy from Iowa recently and he had you know the last two seasons in college he had back-to-back thousand yard seasons spent some time with the Titans in training camp but uh as far as some other guys you know we have uh, some good NFL experience I think the guys that might highlight or might be more recognizable are guys like Denard Robinson who was a Star quarterback in Michigan, and then had good success with the Jaguars and Stephen Hill, who also had some success in the NFL, and was a guy coming from Atlanta uh, out of Georgia Tech. Uh, and then we have some we have some other key guys in place that had some success in college, and you know the NFL didn't work out for them just yet. And I think that they are in the right position to try to make their dreams uh, actually come true this time around.
0: So I was looking over at your account. Uh, Crown Loyal and you guys released Jordan Westercamp. how do you feel about that because I know I would love for the Apollos to pick him up
1: yeah so I, I think it's a little surprising uh just especially because it's a little bit of an earlier cut and we still have you know another nine ten receivers on I didn't think he'd be one of the first to be cut uh you know he's a prolific receiver at Nebraska and had some amazing catches that we've seen uh, probably on a sports center or ESPN at times but I think it just shows the depth that we have on our team. We have a lot of guys who are really standing out and it's, it's really hard to pick. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, we're trying to really uh, bring some more guys in and see how they they perform. And I think ultimately it's gonna come down to probably five or six wide receivers and it's really hard to select with such a good group. So uh, I don't think he'll be the first surprising cut. I think it's surprising that we did, but you know, anybody who's in need of some wide receiver depth or know bringing a guy for training camp i think he'd be a good fit for them
0: yeah you see uh after watching some of your uh i've watched i think your first podcast uh you mentioned uh maybe possibly the legends joking around cutting denard robinson now i i personally i wouldn't i wouldn't mind that
1: i wouldn't (laughs) mind that whatsoever i bet rest of the (laughs) league wouldn't either but uh (laughs) no hopefully that doesn't happen um you know denard has not played in a little bit he had what people thought was a career-ending injury and is uh, with a nerve damage or ligament damage in his shoulder. And uh, we're just lucky that he gets to come back and he gets to be with the legends and line up alongside Aaron Murray and work with Coach Vick. And I think he's going to be an integral part of the offense from what I've seen. You know, like I said, it's just from what I've seen. Most of the stuff I see is from Twitter or I try to read what people have been seeing through their eyes. but. I'm excited about Denard you know, Robinson, no doubt. Uh, he's electrifying, he's dynamic, and I think it's just, it's awesome. He gets another chance to play football because I think his uh, his time got cut a little bit shorter than it should have been.
0: Yeah, it was kind of sad with his career in Jacksonville. Um, now there's one last thing I want to ask you about, and if you had to list the top five players you think uh, the listeners over for the Orlando Apollos at the Apollo Audible should watch out for heading into this matchup, a week one. What's your what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, so I've been speaking a lot about the offense, and I haven't even gotten to the defense yet. Um, I think guys that have really stood out so far in camp, um, and I'm not really basing it off their their past career accolades. But I think guys that have uh, stood out and that could be a threat for you guys come week one, or I think obviously Murray, I think he's a big one. And I think Denar, those are two guys I think on offense that are gonna be really uh, impactful. Uh, other guys that maybe are not as recognizable or maybe people don't realize, I think there's a guy, a receiver we have, his name's Shantavius Jones. He's really been sticking out. He's a big, dynamic receiver that can really high point the ball and uh, work well against smaller defenders. And I think our linebacking crew and our front seven's been really good, but as far as one guy from them that's really sticking out so far is probably this guy, Jeff. Luke or Jeff Luck. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name just yet. Uh, (laughs) But he's a linebacker that is is a bigger uh, molded guy. And I think he's going to be a force in stopping the run and uh, wreaking havoc in the backfield. And just based on what I've seen as far as another guy to round out my top five, I would say right now probably up front is a a guy I've heard and he's a guy I hadn't heard of until the legends but a guy named Jason Carr he's a defensive lineman he's really been disruptive so far in the backfield and I think he's going to be one of the guys that are the dark horses on this team and could really be impactful come time for the regular season.
0: Uh, yeah, the defense is your front seven is pretty stout, and that's one of my, pers- my personal worries, I guess you could say, heading into this matchup. Because from what Steve Spurrier, our head coach, has been talking about in training camp and the reporter, and even the offensive lineman coach, our offensive line has not been clicking whatsoever. Yeah. So heading into this matchup, this that could not be a good combination. I could tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm
1: going to disrupt your offensive line for you. No problem. Uh, yeah, that's- that's one of my major concerns right now, heading into that game. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It, it really is. You know, we it's it's all new. The AAF and from the outside perspective. We don't get to be in San Antonio, or most of us don't, and so it's really hard for us to tell who's succeeding. But yeah, for for the legends personally, from what I've seen, I think our front seven is probably going to be the strength of our defense. Um, A lot of our DBs are former Georgia guys, just from the past few years. So that gives me good hope that the whole defense could be really good as long as we click. And I think our offense is going to be really good, but you know, come week one, I I could be, I don't think I'm going to be wrong personally, that's just me being biased, but I, you know, we could just slip up or we could not click or the chemistry might not be there yet. So, you know, it's going to be exciting. I think just for the league in general to finally, strap up and see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty much all the questions I have for you. Uh, if you want to ask me any questions or anything like that, you can feel free to go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, I'm excited. Just, you know, I'm really excited about the Legends, but I'm excited for every team. I really want to see how every team performs. Um, who, do you, who do you think right now, coming out of Apollo's camp, uh, is going to be a guy to look out for? Um, There's two
0: people I really want to highlight. But I'm going to go over on the defensive side of things and go with uh, this guy named Reggie Northrup. Now, Reggie Northrup has been probably one of the more noticeable uh, hitters in college football when he played for FSU. If you just look at his highlights, all of his highlights are just big hits, big hits, big hits. It's, It's crazy. This man plays with heart and passion. So I feel like if he's able to translate that into the AAF, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes because I could see him being in the uh, run for Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, one more guy I also want to highlight, sorry for cutting you off, is uh someone on the offense, and his name is Dearness Johnson. Now, I am a big fan of him because uh, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and he's really giving me Tariq Cohen vibes. Oh, okay. Where he's a little bit on the shorter side. You know how most running backs are in the six-feet area? He's 5'9". So he's a little bit taller than Tariq Cohen, but he's nowhere near as tall as some of the other NFL players and most of the AFL guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how he performs, but I was looking at his highlights and his accolades and he's a good receiving back. I could see him really having a Tariq Cohen sort of style on this offense, which is something I also want to address because I don't really know how this offense is going to work. (laughs) Um, When they asked Steve Spurrier about it, he said it was going to be like a sun and gun offense. Oh. So I don't know if he's doing yeah. like a play on words with the running gun or if it's going to be something completely different that none of, none of us have ever seen before. So that's
1: going to be fun to see how that plays out. Yeah. I wouldn't put anything past the the whole HBC there. You know, it's, it's cool. It's really cool to see him uh, back and coaching. And uh, I know part of his reason probably for retiring was the long and, or the long season of college football, you know, it never ends with recruiting and then you have, your schedule and then the bowl season so it's cool that he gets to coach again um as far as the guys he highlighted i mean that's high praise and i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it that happens i don't know much about Northrop. um i remember watching a couple games of dnr johnson when he played at usf with Quentin flowers he looked pretty good then um that offense was pretty prolific too so we'll see i know i know uh the apollos have a lot of guys that are uh, exciting to to watch this year. I'm excited to see uh, Marvin Bracey Williams just coming from an outside perspective. I think it's going to be cool that he's back in football and we never really got to see his talents in college. So I think I'm excited to watch him.
0: That's going to be interesting as well. Um, one last thing for the viewers at home about DeAnders Johnson. Uh, he broke the USF game record for all-purpose yards with 281 yards in one game. That's uh, 19 yards shy of 300 and that's just a one game. This man can really be a workhorse, not only running the football, but receiving the football as well. And I think I've seen a couple uh, trick plays with him where he actually threw the ball. So that's gonna be interesting to see how uh, we use some of those, uh, utilize our trick plays and utilize some of our talents. Yeah, um, yeah Dearness is also the USF career all-purpose yards leader with 4,000 in one season. So the man the man can ball out. The man really yeah. can ball out.
1: Sounds like it. What do you think about the uh, Gary Gilbert situation? You think that he, Came back to practice in time to reclaim his QB1 status, or you think someone else is gonna overtake that?
0: So the QB situation is kind of complicated with the Apollo's. Um, everyone's being kind of uh nonchalant on the whole QB situation. Whenever, like, you can look at the team reporter, uh, Steve Spurrier, and any you can ask really any coach and any uh buddy they interview on the Twitter, uh they all say the same thing, that it's going it's getting really close, and each day they name someone else that looked ahead of everyone else, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So one day it was, like, Matt Sowell. One day it was Garrett Gilbert. It's just it, – it fluctuates, so I honestly have no clue who's going to be the starting quarterback. But if I had to bet, I'm going to say Garrett Gilbert just because, uh, in my personal opinion, we have more uh, – I have more uh, tape and stuff on him. hmm so I have more of a chance to see how he can play.
1: And he did good
0: week 17
1: against the Saints. Yeah, he had, he had a little bit of time there in the Panthers game and uh small sample size, but he completed you know over fifty percent of his passes. So that's that's good, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, my theory is if you could play against the NFL second team, which is this was the, uh what is it, the Saints bench players. Still, because if they're if they're playing in the NFL, they're automatically gonna be better than people in the AAF. That's just my theory so if you could perform against the n uh, the nfl second stringers you should have no problem playing the aaf
1: yeah well definitely see how it plays out you know these are these are also guys that are you know on the cusp of making the nfl and guys that have nfl experience and something didn't work out for them so i think i think yes the nfl does have maybe a be- a few better players or you know more experienced players but i think at the same time these guys are very talented in this league and. Uh, are going to make that known to people who are unaware of what kind of talent we still have left outside of the NFL. So I don't know if you're going to ask this, but with
0: training camp, um, one thing that has really been stressed from the legends and especially HBC Steve Spurrier, we have, or according to him, we have the fastest defensive backs in all of AAF. <laughs> So if that holds true, I don't know how we're going to hold up against these wide receivers, but I I feel pretty confident if he's giving this high, high praise about them. And he's been kind of shy of giving praise lately. So he, he'll tell you what's been going wrong, and he'll tell you uh, what side of the ball has been crappy. But he praises his defensive back so much. So I'm confident in them heading into this matchup.
1: That'll be an, inter- that'll be an interesting competition. I think we have a lot of uh, big-bodied guys who are – you know, maybe a little bit more possession receivers. Um, so that could be definitely an interesting matchup between some speed guys who maybe are a little bit quicker in smaller spaces or have a little bit more agility and uh, can defend those big, bigger body guys. We'll see, you know, it's definitely gonna be an interesting matchup all the way around.
0: Yeah, that's that's
1: actually one of the things
0: I, I'm really looking forward to out of this matchup, that and how our offensive line holds up.
1: <laughs> uh, what are, what are your thoughts on a uh, Spurrier being back? I mean, that's obviously a Hall of Fame coach, but and a Hall of Fame player in the college ranks, and he has plenty of experience. He has some experience in startup leagues. I mean, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on. It.
0: Um, I don't really have the mo the best, I guess you could say, uh, opinion on the situation because one, I'm I'm younger than you, so I haven't really experienced Steve Spurrier, and I never paid attention to college football until last year. Okay. <laughs> so I don't really have an opinion on that itself, but I could tell that he has uh, some good experience as a head coach, as a coach in general. Uh, one of my concerns though, is to see if his coaching style can match up to the AAF because his coaching style, which could have been in college, I think he said he, he coached nice in college, right?
1: Yeah, he's a great coach in college.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously the college like style and tempo it's going to be sort of similar to the AAF where there's going to be quicker plays, less time in between snaps, stuff like that. So I think it could translate really well. It could also go pretty bad too. So I don't know how I feel about that whole situation just yet,
1: but I should have a good
0: grasp after the first game.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to have a small preseason here in the AAF at the end of January. So I'm excited to see that and see how it plays out. and, you know, I think I think it's going to be a good turnout. I think I really do. I really think that we've had leagues in the past that haven't worked out. And people have learned from that and grown from that. And I think that's going to come a long way as far as this league. I think this is going to be one of those leagues that stick. And I'm excited that it's the first league out of the, uh, I think, three startup leagues. I don't know how many people are creating football leagues now. But I know the XFL is one. And then some other league that someone's starting up. I actually just found out
0: there is another league. It's the American Patriot League that's starting up. Oh, I I just heard that today. I don't know how that's gonna work or anything like that, but that's gonna be interesting too.
1: Yeah, I I have never heard of anything about that. You know, that just goes to show how many people are starting up football leagues. And then, you know, they have the Flag Football League that's been started up in the uh, as of last year. And so I don't know if that's you know to take away some of the dangers of at football but uh it's definitely interesting i'm glad that the aaf is kind of gets the the head start there can we just admire the fact that the aaf uh was
0: i guess you could say thought of and actually made only nine months ago can you just admire that fact
1: well yeah yes and no and what i mean by that is that yes it's it's really been put in the place they have really got the ball rolling and they're really putting the pieces together but uh just after speaking with the president, and I was actually unaware of this, is that there's been guys in place for a couple of years now. Guys mm-hmm. have really been pressing the ideas and uh, trying to figure out what's gonna work and who who are the people in place they need. I mean, uh, there's guys that are, you know, the OGs of AAF that have, this has been a long time coming for them. and So <laughs> the wait is probably excruciating for them, but especially just having this idea and. know it's slowly coming along you know but with any good thing uh you have to be patient with it and i think uh it's exciting i think i think they're going to be more excited yeah it's the philadelphia sixers
0: uh their motto trust the process (laughs) i'm just going to trust it here if they've been planning it ahead of time for these past couple of years, I'm going to trust them and hopefully it doesn't crash and burn like the Arena Football League. Because <laughs> I can tell you that sucked because I was a huge uh, fan
1: and went to almost all of the Orlando Predator games. So, yeah, I like the Arena that, Football That League. sucked. I'm originally from Nashville and we had a team and it got shut down or, you know, there wasn't enough attendance. But I, I was uh, sad about that because I never got to go to a game. And so um, I hope the AAS sticks around a little bit longer. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I really hope it does. Uh, it's gonna be interesting though to get some spring
0: football, and now it's gonna be in my hometown city, so that's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's I'm glad that I'm glad that other cities, you know, uh, Orlando and Birmingham, and especially San Diego, they they get football or professional football. because Especially uh, with San Diego, you know, they got their team taken away from them, but. And Birmingham and Orlando and Memphis, like those are teams that have had professional football leagues and then they didn't work out. So I'm glad that, you know, your city and then a couple other cities get another chance. I'm, I was really excited about San Diego.
0: I'm, I was really excited because I know the, oh, I'm telling you right now, they're going to be the hardest place to play in coming into the, the inaugural season because those fans are pissed that the Chargers left. They're going to be showing up in large numbers for oh, <laughs> really- their team. I really do.
1: Uh, That's going to be a tough crowd,
0: definitely. Luckily, we play them at home, so I don't have to worry about that. I have no worries whatsoever. But it's going to be interesting to see how uh, crowd noise plays into effect with this league as well, because I'm not uh, necessarily sure if every team's getting the same amount of attendance. But I know the Orlando Apollos, they only have like two or three more remaining sections available for the home game. Wow. All the other sections are, are booked out, so. I got my season tickets just in time and they're cheap they're like 140 dollars for the season yeah they're so.
1: not like that. I think that you know it's part of the fan experience where they should be affordable and so I, I think that's what made me buy my tickets and I think that's a uh, oh, big reason why maybe tickets are selling out faster so hopefully the attendance is as big as you know enough to fill up the stadium uh, or at least close so I'm excited about it.
0: I was going to say, because I I can tell you right now, UCF, I think they were just ranked the fourth hardest place to play in college football last week, I want to say. Oh, wow. They ranked the fourth uh, hardest place to play in, and they're playing in the Balance House, which is Spectrum Stadium, right on UCF's campus. So it's the exact same stadium that UCF plays in. It's going to be on campus, so I could expect a lot of uh, loud, rowdy college kids to go out there and support their team. So I could see it being a, a great atmosphere to play in. So to make it hard for opposing teams as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how uh, we'll get to see my own team, the Legends, see how they respond. So uh, I know UCF fans are eager for a, a real, uh, you know, to the outside world, a real championship. But you know, according to them, they already have one. So
0: <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll we'll get a national championship here. It, it will cancel. <laughs> all. Okay. We'll be the AAF uh, 2019 inaugural season champs.
1: Yeah, with a, a tangible trophy, one that they can actually hold up. But, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, man. So it was nice having you on. Uh, thank you for spending time with uh, the Apollo Audible podcast. And, of course, everyone listening to my viewers, uh, if you guys want to follow up on his podcast, you can go follow him on Twitter at Crown Loyal. Is there A-A-F. anything else to Crown Loyal at Crown Loyal AAF. He has a pod bean. I know that's out to uh, your shows at first. Yeah. Yeah, for so does RSS, the
1: RSS feeds, Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and hopefully we'll get a few more out there. But that's what I'm working with right now.
0: Yep. So thank you to everyone that was listening, and I'll see talk to all. Oh my God, I'm stuttering. Okay, and I'll talk to all of you beautiful, beautiful listeners next time.
1: Peace. Thanks, man. It was nice uh, working with you.